It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, October the 23rd, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from beautiful Austin, Texas, and we have another great program for you today. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us making it right under the wire after um, driving back from visiting kinky freedmen in the Hill Country. And thankfully, he's here to make the the show run smoothly as usual. And I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Michael Masha, founder of finewaters.com, an expert and aficionado on waters from all around the world, to discuss it, to discuss, as you guessed it, water. And Dr. Masha has been on this show a few times before. Um, In fact, His interviews are so interesting that I included excerpts of them in my book about living passionately. And with all that's going on in the world with the water supplies here in the U.S. and around the world and the purity of water being called into question, this interview is more important than ever. And we wanted him to come back to answer some of our questions because of the issues that we're dealing with. And this is a really interesting interview, and I think that you will enjoy it. Right after the break, we'll be playing the interview for you, and you may never look at or taste water the same way again. Then later in the program, the twins in Bay of Banderas, Mexico, will join us once again to discuss another Mexico travel destination. And along the way, I will talk more about the journey of living a passionate life and this time dealing with critics along your path. And after the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast will be posted on my website along with any website links that are discussed on the program. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash yourgoldenyears, and you'll also be able to hear it right after the show on Apple Podcasts. And for information from previous programs, to listen to all of our previous shows going all the way back almost nine years here on Blog Talk Radio, you can go to my website, drmaracarpel.com. You can hear them all on blogtalkradio.com slash yourgoldenyears, and all of them are also on Apple Podcasts. And for upcoming programs and events, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? 
how about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your days connecting with other people. So be more active and start connecting. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. All right. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be playing just a brief some brief commercials of our other sponsors. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Dr. Michael Masha to discuss water from all around the world. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. Welcome back, Michael. It's been a long time since we've had you on the program, and we've been watching your travels around the world. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and thank you for having me again. And yes, you're right, a lot of things have changed. Yeah, especially in the area of water. Um, yes, absolutely. We have what what we see over the last couple of years is really an acceptance of the idea that water is not just water, that water is a natural product, that it has terroir like wine, that it holds experiences, and that it can give wellness. So all those components are now accepted. You know, when I started this 20 years ago, people were laughing at me. Ten years ago, it was a weird idea, and now it's absolutely in the mainstream. So I'm very happy about this. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the positive. <laughs> what about, um, how, what do you think about all of the droughts? And I mean, I guess that adds to how much people really value water when you, when they don't have it. I think you're absolutely right. I think if you don't have it, suddenly you value it more. But I think what we have done over the 20 last years or so is also putting value in water. If you think water is just water, then you don't value it. But if it comes from a special place, it tastes very special. You look at that thing, you engage with the water, you have much more of an emotional connection with it, and that can also help you in putting more emphasis in the environmental aspect of, you know, the, the climate change and how water is influenced by climate change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I've been reading lately that there's a lot of plastic that they're finding in the water. Um, what, do you, what do you know about that? Yeah, it's, plastic is everywhere, right? So in the in a couple of hundred thousand years, if people will look back at this age, this will be the plastic age, right? Mm-hmm. They will dig down and 
they will find, suddenly they will find a layer of plastic, and this plastic will be everywhere, from, from the ocean to the landfills. And especially, especially as you mentioned, the, the microplastics are now also seeping into some of the aquifers. That's why, again, paying attention to where your water is coming from is really important, mm-hmm. and also having water from an undisturbed aquifer. And this is what I'm engaging with many, many small brands from all around the world. And their most valuable asset is the aquifer, the source, the the land on which the source lies, and they do everything to protect it. So if you drink water from from one of those small artisanal bottled water brands, you're actually protecting the environment. Hmm. It's a very different story if you take the waters from these large, big corporations that exploit the water. So it's a very different attitude, and with everything in life, scale is very important. Um, can you explain that? How does um, buying water from the smaller companies um, help the environment? So what a small company has, and I know many examples in, in Chile, in Argentina, in, in Austria, you know, all over the world, in Denmark, the, the bottle... The bottler owns the land and the source of, of the water, and they do everything to protect the source. Usually, they expand the area around the, the source. They do not allow any agriculture on, on top of the, of the aquifer. They don't have any industry there. So they're really protecting the environment to keep the aquifer as natural as possible without any infringements. And you can see those are small dots, but the more of the smaller bottles we have, the more protected area we have. Mm. It's very similar, you know. I'm, I'm usually, I'm also very much into food, and I'm a foodie. And you all know what we get in as pork right now is a, is a commodity breed. And there have been many, many heritage breeds all around the world and also here in, in the U.S. And the best way to protect the heritage breed is to eat it because that gives incentives to the people that have to breed, to breed more and allow the breed to exist. So the same thing is true with the the bottled water brands. If they have more money, they will buy more land around it and will have more money to protect the environment where their water is coming from, as this is their most valuable asset. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, I guess um, you kind of sort of answered the question I was going to ask you about some of those big companies that have taken over, like Nestle's now owns um, San Pellegrino, and Coca-Cola has taken over some of the water. Um, Yeah, so, you know, 10 years ago, no one was paying attention, but now that this is becoming a trend, you know, big companies see the trend. But... What, what is really still scary for me, and, but I think we're changing this, is when I talk about water, when we talk about bottled water, of course, we're talking about water from a natural source, meaning there's a place on this planet where this water is coming from, and the water you're drinking in your bottle is identical to the water at the source, right? So you have this emotional connection, but you also know that you're drinking the same thing as it comes out of the source. You know, open your hand, put it to your mouth, and the source would be the same taste that you have in, in your bottle, even if this water comes from uh, a far and remote place. 
there's another water. If you go to the supermarket, you have a bottled water shelf there, right? And if you look what kind of water is sold in a supermarket, especially here in the U.S., is you will discover that maybe half, even more than half of the water in the supermarket shelf is processed water. So what does this mean? What is processed water? Processed water is basically the tap water that you drink in your city, only that the tap water runs into a facility of the big corporations you mentioned, where the water is filtered. Maybe it's polished. We call it polished, meaning a couple of minerals are removed, a couple of minerals are added to arrive at a taste that's the most common denominator. And that water is then filled in a plastic bottle, put in a in a plastic wrapper and sold in, in supermarkets. So two very distinct different products are sold from the same shelf and for the consumer it's not entirely clear which is which and deceptive advertising makes it even much more harder to make the distinction because some of the bottles says, you know, this is smart water, indicating that you're smart if you buy <laughs> processed tap water it's obviously not working, right? But still, that's the, the power of, of marketing. And you talked about my international travel. It's a very, very unique American problem in, mm. in the U.S. here. We don't have that in Europe. You know, there's basically no processed water. People would completely reject the idea of buying the same water they have in their tap in a plastic bottle from the supermarket and pay a premium for it. Is there a big difference in the price of buying the the better water, the small smaller companies, when you're in Europe versus here in the United States? So, I, I find it really fascinating on my travel. So, I'm at Houston Airport, and I pay between four and five dollars for a, a bottle of water, and I'm I have a very limited choice. Half of the water is, again, the processed water for this price. And almost everywhere in Europe I travel, um, a bottle of water at the airport is, is one euro. So real water is actually much cheaper in, in, in Europe, but it doesn't mean that here in the U.S. the real water is much more expensive. If you move into a very remote area where you have a little bit more transportation cost, there is a slight premium on it. But it's worth it, you know, it's the experience, having a natural product. And it's not only about the health advantages you have with, you know, drinking the natural water. It's also this enjoyment, the engagement, the experience you have with water if you know you have a natural product versus you have a processed product. Right. You know, as you're talking, I'm reminded of when I was a kid, we used to go to New Hampshire uh, my family, and there was a, a lake in the White Mountains that, and this was before we had to worry about pollution and animals, you know, polluting the water as well. And I used to just put my hand in the water and cup some water and drink it. And it was the sweetest water. And maybe it was just because I was there in the mountains and I had that emotional experience with it, but it was the best tasting water I ever had. <laughs> no, I can understand. Context is sometimes very important. You know, you fall in love and you have a, a bottle of very cheap wine next to you and for the rest of your life, this will be the, the sweetest wine 
you will be ever drinking. So mm -hmm. context is very important. And but it, it's also if you're in a pristine environment, you can do this. You know, just recently was in Austria. You know, most of the lakes in Austria are drinking water quality. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is wow. it's a whole lake. You know, and this the quality of the water is drinking water, and even tap water. You know. Tap water is not bad if it's not bad. I was just in San Sebastian in, in, in Spain. I mean, in the restaurant, I asked for tap water. They have good water in, in Spain, good bottled water, but I asked for tap water because I really, really enjoy the taste of the, the tap water in San Sebastian from, that comes straight from, from, from the mountains. And it has something to do with Spain and the idea of the people there that food and the things that you take into your body are important and they need to be good. You know, the food scene is, is amazing. The water is amazing. It's, it's just sometimes very sad. If you come back here to the U.S., you see how careless people are with what they put into their bodies. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. So, so tell us about your, your website and your book about water. Yeah, so we released another edition of the book called Fine Waters, where we talk a lot about these ideas that water is not just water, the experiences with water, that there is no best water, all this kind of big philosophical concept around, around water, a little bit of history and the water cycle. But we also feature 100, which I find very interesting, waters from around the world in the book and their detail and description there. and. You can order the book, it's on findwaters.com. And it's really, really interesting to see how things have changed, as we talked about 10 years ago, very, very different. And now people really adopt the idea, especially because we're moving away from the alcohol. I don't know if you've seen it when you talk to other of your guests or in your personal life, people move away from alcohol. I see, especially with young people, they're not, you know, getting wasted every weekend. They're much more selective in what they drink, when they drink. And, but they still want to have an experience on the table. They don't want to have a, a Coke or a Pepsi, which the sweetness completely ruins basically every meal you have with it. So they want to have experience with water, discover something new, engage with something emotional. And if you don't have alcohol on the table, you know, the bottled water bottle is the next best thing. Mhm. Mm mhm. Yeah, I have noticed that. I think young people are more interested in health than uh, than maybe young people a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I was very different. I I was not drinking water when I was. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. And and what about your website, the Fine Waters website? What can people find there? Yeah, they find all the waters from all around the world. They find a lot of stories. What, what we're also doing now is really pairing and matching water with food. I'm traveling all around the world, you know, engaging with many different chefs. The chef creates a, a five, six, eight course menu, and I'm matching waters with it. And that's really, really amazing experience because and usually at the beginning, I'm standing in front of a crowd that will maybe say 100, 120 people in the audience, and I tell them, ladies and gentlemen, I have bad news for you. There will, no be alcohol. There will be no alcohol <laughs> for this. 
and you can hear the room, oh, and people are very concerned that they don't have a nice evening if they don't have alcohol. And then the food comes out, we engage with the water, the water changes with different courses. They discover a completely new world. And usually half through the evening, I look at the room and the room is buzzing. It has the same buzz as there would be wine served when you think people are drunk and they start talking, engaging and doing all this, this thing. And I look to myself and say, hey, it's not necessary to have alcohol. You can have the same fun experience that you have with wine, with water. And the good thing is you can drive home afterwards right. and you remember what you ate. What, what, what do you think about the, the difference between like sparkling water and still water? So I'm very happy there is this difference because it expands, especially the food pairing dramatically, and also your experience with the water. I'm a big fan of naturally carbonated waters. Those are very special waters. There are only a couple of hundred waters around the world, hundred sources around the world, where when the water emerges from the spring, there's already carbonation in, in, in the water. And those waters are very special, have usually a high mineral content, and the bubbles feel and taste very different than the artificially carbonated waters, where the bubbles are basically forced into a still water and mm -hmm. all the bubbles want is to get out of the water as quickly as possible, while the naturally carbonated waters, the bubble is much more comfortable with the water and stay in the water much longer. Hmm, that's interesting. Now we have a brand of water here that is supposedly from the highest glacier in Mexico, and it's a sparkling water. It's, it's flat. It's a flat water, sorry. <laughs> It's uh, Brillante Teotihuacan Natural Spring Water. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, it's it's getting small distribution even here down in in the in the Rio Grande Valley. I see it in, in some of the, of the of the supermarkets here. And isn't it beautiful that you suddenly have a bottle of water and you can say, hey, it comes from this special place. It has these characteristics. And it tastes very different than the other water. We're so used to wine that we know a red wine tastes different than a white wine and then a champagne. And we can have now the very same thing with water. Okay. So that's a good one, then. You recommend it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Art tells me because that they sell it at Rubens in the valley. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the supermarket where I buy it at Rubens. Okay. All right. Okay, so um, the best place for people to find out more about you and about your books is to go to your website? Find, find Waters is perfect. There's also a couple of links uh, from, from the website to uh, a website I'm partnering with. It's called Salacious Drinks. The, the URL is salaciousdrinks.com. You find many links throughout the website has also a link called Where to Buy, and you find it there. And what we've done with them, this is a portfolio distributor. So you can order a box of water, and it consists of six different waters that I've selected, six different stills or six different sparkling or a mixture of both still and sparkling. And you can order them with or without the book and do your own water tasting. And those boxes are really meant as an introductory to the idea that water is not just water. Mm -hmm. The water is a very different, 
you drink the six waters and you know water is not just water. Cool. Great. So I, I will post that on my website about this show so people can just click on it. Um, Fantastic. And they will have a, a great experience with, with water. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much again for coming back to the show and with all the information that, you know, we don't hear very often about. I'm, I'm glad I can talk to you and I'm, I'm glad that we have you, your audience and I hope they will enjoy the, the different waters that they will be able to try. And when they go to the supermarket next time, look at the back label of the bottle and see if it says purified water or processed water or if you can see that the water is from a natural source then pay the five or ten cents more and buy a water from a natural source. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break, um, but don't go anywhere. There's more to come. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And um, again, I will be posting all those links that Michael Masha just spoke about in our interview uh, on my website post about this show. So you can go there and find it and and maybe you're going to want to try the samples of the different waters so that you can do a water tasting and see that you can really enjoy water. It's not just something that you have to do to get hydrated, <laughs> drink enough water, but you might actually enjoy it with different foods, different waters. Um, really interesting. Okay, so um, before we go on to the twins who are going to take us to another uh, destination in Mexico, I want to continue with the discussion that I was having with you all about two weeks ago about the passionate life and how to deal with the critics. Now, before we even get to that, I want to just fill you in on some news that occurred between last interview and this last show and this evening. Last Monday, I was interviewed for the Ottawa Book Expo uh, about my book, The Passionate Life. And it was a really interesting interview because the interview has asked a lot of questions that I haven't, I have not been asked before. And that interview is available on YouTube and also on their podcast station. And the links to both of those are going to be on this post about tonight's show at the very end. And you can also just find it on my website by um, looking at speaking engagements and it, 
it's on the radio show page. It's on several of the pages, and you can find it there, and you can actually watch the interview or listen to it. I also did, I also was interviewed by good John Bergman, who has been on this program two or three times, and now he has started a podcast and invited me to be on his program about living a passionate life, and he had a lot of really interesting questions as well. And um, I will be posting the link to hear that podcast as soon as it's available. It's not available yet, but when it is, I will post it and I'll let you know. Um, Yeah, and then Good John's going to come back onto the program as well because he has some really interesting things to say. Okay, so um, as I was saying, the past few shows I've been um, talking about living a passionate life, all the different elements of what that means and how to do it. And the last um, program, I started talking about dealing with the critics because whenever you start something new in your life, whether it's deciding to eat healthier food or starting an exercise program, or making it a point to meditate or get out in nature more, or to follow some artistic path of creativity, something new, or just changing. Maybe it's something really big like changing your career, or maybe it's something small like doing some volunteer work or some other Um, thing of interest to you that you feel is part of your passionate life, whenever you do any of those things, no matter how healthy it is, (laughs) you will run into critics. That's just a fact. Um, Several years ago, I was at a a networking luncheon, and I um, had started eating mostly vegetarian food at that time. And I needed to order something separate from the, the, the menu that everybody else was eating from because it was all meat. And um, so I was having a discussion with the waitress and then the manager about what they could put together for me. And when they left, the guy sitting next to me actually could not stop focusing on the fact that I was eating vegetables for lunch rather than a piece of steak and a bunch of french fries. And he was critical of my vegetables. So that sounds a little unbelievable, but it actually is real. It happens. Now, the reason people are critical, they could be people who are very caring, loving people, people who are close to you in your life. And they may be critical of any change in your life because they're worried about you. They're afraid that this change might cause a problem. And it's possible that there's some that there's some merit to their argument. So, you know, when it's someone that you know and you trust, you might want to look at what their what their concerns are and take them into account. It might cause you to tweak what you're doing um, if there is some merit or maybe there isn't any merit. Maybe they're just worried and there's no reason to worry. And 
at that point you might say, thank you. Thank you for your concern. I'll think about it. Um, people in your life might criticize because they are afraid for themselves that when you change, you are causing them to have to look at their own lives. Maybe they are feeling guilty that there's something they need to be doing in their life and you're shining a light on it. Or they're afraid that they're going to lose your friendship or your relationship because now you're doing something um, that takes them away from them in some way. There are going to be people who don't know you at all or barely know you who will criticize you, like the man sitting next to me at that luncheon, who just um, want to be critical or they're jealous. Or, again, it makes them look at their own lives. So maybe my plate of vegetables made him look at his steak and french fries and, and it made him think that he was being unhealthy or he didn't want to have to think he was being unhealthy, so he attacked me. There are all different reasons why people do it, but it doesn't make them correct. The the powerful part of the the um the behavior of critics is that inside we're very often criticizing ourselves and we can be our own worst critics. And so when we have somebody outside of us criticizing us, it it presses that button and we start to doubt ourselves and we start to criticize ourselves. So it can be pretty powerful, even when it's somebody who we don't know, who says something that sounds kind of silly, it can it can press that button in us to start to criticize ourselves. So how do we deal with that? Well, the first thing to deal with is to understand that, that the reasons why people are criticizing us are not necessarily based on reality, that there's something wrong with our behavior, but it's about them. It's about their own fears, their own jealousies, their own anger, whatever it is. And so what I talked about last time was the the quote from Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements, don't take anything personally. And he goes on to say, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Now, that's a pretty lofty goal that we are immune to the opinions and actions of others. And that's really hard to do. Human beings tend to look to other people for their opinions. And um, it's not always a healthy thing to do, but humans tend to do it. If we could make that a goal and at least start working toward it, so that we can be less susceptible to the opinions of other people, then we become stronger and more resilient and more able to follow our dreams or our passion. As I've spoken about, it's not always about following your dream, but it's about following something that you feel passionate about in your life, something that um, 
is healthy for you, that brings joy and health into the world, and it gives you your life a sense of meaning. And if we could become less susceptible to the opinions of others along that journey, then we can live a more passionate, joyful life and help a lot of people along the way. And the other the other reason the, uh, that I didn't mention why other people might criticize us is that they don't really understand. I think that that's a big part of it, um, probably more than any of the other reasons I gave, is that other people don't necessarily understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's really... It, you don't you don't owe them an explanation, and it might take a very long explanation. You might have to give them the whole story of your life for them to understand why you're doing what you're doing. So, you know, most of us don't have. When you're on that path, you don't have the time to explain it to everybody who's wondering about it. Um, and sometimes in the explanation, it causes us to doubt ourselves and question ourselves and it dilutes what we're doing. Sometimes it's best not to discuss it. So just know that they just don't understand and that's okay. It's okay. Um, The other way of dealing, another way of dealing with the criticisms of other people and our own criticisms of ourselves is to practice mindfulness meditation, which I, you know, there are many reasons for practicing mindfulness meditation that have been discussed on this program by myself and by several guests. But one thing that mindfulness meditation does, one benefit, is that it helps us to see more clearly um, that what the other person is saying to us is not reality that their criticism is not based in reality or it's not fully based in reality. And we're able to distance ourselves from the venom of it, from the toxicity of it, even if there's something uh, important in their criticism to think about that maybe they have a point and maybe we need to tweak what we're doing in order to have more success, but we're able to step away from the emotionality of it. It helps us to calm ourselves down and to better think through our response rather than reacting in a harmful way. So reactivity can be very harmful, but um, we can respond wisely, either by taking their criticism into account or by just thanking them and moving on. Another... um, way of dealing with criticism is by just doing it, just doing what you're going to do. Um, My dad used to like to repeat the quote by Yogi Berra, when you come to the the fork in the road, take it. Um, At any moment, we have a choice whether we stay on our path, if we've lost our bearings, to get back onto the path. Um, or giving up um, or giving in to the criticisms of of other people and saying, yeah, what's the point? 
this person says that I'm, this is a pointless path that I'm on and, and um, so why should I take it? And we can decide that we're going to keep going. We can decide that uh, we want to serve humanity right now and we want to enjoy our lives while we do it. So, you know, as I've talked about previously, that our purpose, our dream, or as Buddhists refer to it, our dharma can be our north star during the most difficult and darkest of times. And it can bring us joy even when we're going through difficult times. So we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to humanity to stay on our path, to follow our passion. And, you know, make it a point to unplug sometimes, get off social media (laughs) and go out and smell the flowers, as they say. Enjoy the beauty around you rather than spending so much time listening to what other people say or or spending so much time um, on social media. And some other ways of staying staying positive and taming that inner critic that might be, uh, you know, woken up by other people's criticisms is to treat yourself like you're worthy. Do things for yourself um, even if you don't believe that you're worthy of them. And then you will start to feel worthy. Do things that are that that are good for you, take care of your health, get some exercise, eat healthy food, get out in nature, meditate, find some time to unplug and just relax. Those are really important in in helping you to feel worthy. And surround yourself with positive people, people who say positive things to you, who encourage you who might have, um, you know, a suggestion in how you might tweak your path, but not in a critical way. And people who are doing positive things in their own lives and who are creating and bringing joy into the world and following their passion and bringing that passion into the world to help other people. When you surround yourself with people like that, you feel more inspired. You're more, you're more um, likely to stay on your path and, to, and you're more likely to stop listening to the negativity of other people. And finally, have a sense of humor. Have a sense of humor even about your own mistakes. That's the best way of of staying positive even when things seem to go awry. Sense of humor changes everything. And when you can laugh at yourself, then you become more resilient to your own inner critic and the criticisms of other people. Okay, so we're going to stay on this path of passion and talk about some other important parts of this holistic process of living a passionate life, mind, body, and spirit. 
and um, we're going to continue that on future shows. So meanwhile, um, speaking of passion, we're going to go to the very passionate place of Mexico with Ruben and Minerva. Much damage 
when the 8.1 earthquake struck Mexico City in 1985 that could be filled as as Corpus Christi, Texas, even pirates lost their way and ended up in the Rio Grande Valley. They were are painful now. In the south of Mexico City, a network of canals went through a series of man-made islands in Xochimilco. The so-called the niece of the New World. Wow, that all sounds wonderful. Stay safe, guys, and adios. Until next time, adios. All right, so we've come to the end of another program. I want to let you know what's coming up in the next few weeks before I go. Um, We'll be taking a couple of weeks off from the show to play some of our favorite encores while I travel up north to New York and New England to visit my mom. And also we'll be taking off uh, Veterans Day weekend. And then we'll be back with another live show on November 20th, right before Thanksgiving. And the guest is to be announced. But follow me on Facebook and you'll find out who's coming up. If you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show, get those website links that we discussed, um, listen to previous programs, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. And you can also hear this evening's program in five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. And you can also listen in five minutes on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, for upcoming programs and events. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Thank you to my guests. Dr. Michael Masha, Minerva and Ruben in Bay of Bandadas, Mexico, and thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring few weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show.